Hi everyone, hope you had a great weekend. I'm Tony Chen, and this is Fish and Bits, a business and data podcast on the world of seafood. This week, I'm going to follow up on what has happened to the Peruvian anchovy fisheries second season and the impact that it will have on the fish meal industry looking forward into the coming year. The Peruvian anchovy fishery is the largest wild-caught fishery in the world, and almost all of it is used for products like fish meal. The country historically produces roughly half of the world's supply of fish meal and a third of the world's supply of fish oil. Last year, due to early samples with high volumes of juvenile fish and the impacts of one of the strongest El Ninos on record, the government decided in their winter to cancel the first of two fishing seasons. And while the second season did eventually open, the total volume of harvest for the year will be a 20-year low. Today, I'm going to run through the overall harvest numbers and data following the conclusion of the fishing season. I'll also explain how annual quotas work and what led to outrage in December when Peruvian fishermen themselves protested for a closure to the fishery in the middle of the season. From there, we'll talk about the unique and storied history behind this particular fishery and what this means for so many markets and companies eagerly awaiting to see what happens to fish meal and fish oil prices in 2024. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, so let's dive in. For those of you who are in the aquaculture industry at large, the closure of the first two fishing seasons of the Peruvian anchovy fishery last summer isn't news, so you're likely more than aware of the impact that it had both on fish meal and fish oil. Peru's anchovies are without a doubt one of the most important raw materials in the aquaculture seafood supply chain, and the closure has impacted the price of fish meal and fish oil. They rose to historic highs and continue to still be at similar levels today. But that was back in the fall. Since then, the Peruvian government still had to make a decision on the second fishing season, and specifically, how much to enable fishermen to capture in Peru's summer months. The government did eventually open up the fisheries back in October, and set the quota at 1.6 million metric tons. That number, as expected, was less than what previously set as quotas the last couple of years. The second season in 2022 was allocated for 2.3 million tons and 2 million tons in 2021. This year, the number that they settled on was 30% less than those historical marks. And now that fishing has stopped as of January 9th, the actual totals for the entire season ended up being less than the allocated total and came in at 1.2 million tons, with roughly 25% of the quota left out in the ocean. From my look at the historical records, this will put 2023 as the worst year since 1998 and for only the third time ever that we've seen harvest below 1.5 million tons since the mid-80s. And here's the crazy thing that I learned while following this story as it's developed over the last few months. Fishermen unions actually led protests to shut down the season even sooner than the official end date. That's right. Fishermen who were waiting by their boats to go fishing when the first season were canceled and who were faced with reduced quotas in the second season are the ones who have been leading the charge to close the season sooner than planned. It's not what I would have expected. People whose livelihoods depend the most on these fisheries are not the ones I would expect to be the first ones to ask for its closure. So what happened? I'll give you my thoughts, 
before that, let me explain how these quotas are decided and the fascinating history of the Peruvian anchovy fishery. The quota for this past season was set at 1.6 million tons, and that number was determined by a metric called the exploitation rate, which is a rate that is used to ensure the population of a fishery can rebound to be fished again. To find that rate, scientists typically go through sampling techniques and experimental fishing to determine the total population size and forecast out how that population will grow. Then, they can use those data points to come up with an estimated rate for how much fish can be harvested. For this particular season, IMARPE, or the Institute of the Sea of Peru, estimated the total biomass of the anchovy fishery to be 6.8 million tons and set an exploitation rate of 31%, which is how they got to that 1.6 million ton quota. This makes sense. I've read a few papers on different species, and while each species is unique, it seems to be generally accepted that a range of 35 to 39% is the normal exploitation rate for most fisheries. So Peru's chosen limits are not overly aggressive by these measures. So if that's the case, why did the farmers get mad? Well, part of the answer is one that any fisherman knows. If you want to catch big fish, you have to let the little ones grow. The reason the fisheries were closed in the first season was because experimental fishing caught too many juveniles. In mid-December of the second season, it was reported that 33% of the 1.1 million tons that was landed at the time was categorized as juveniles and less than 12 centimeters long. That large percentage of small fish is what sparked the protests. But there's more under the hood than just that. I also believe that there are scars from the industry's past that matter as well. Today, this anchovy fisheries is the largest single fishery in the world, and the industry is one of the top five exports for the country of Peru, which makes it one of the most important economical drivers for the country. This position as a leading industry isn't taken for granted, however, as it's gone through its own history of major fluctuations. Here's a brief overview. Starting in the 1950s, the Peruvian government began to invest heavily into its anchovies fishery. There was a market gap following the collapse of the sardine industry in California. And during this time, sonar also became commercially available to help fishing fleets find wild fish stocks. Those in the country saw the opportunity. The banks in Peru were eagerly willing to finance these operations. And by the 1960s, the country became the world's leading fishing country by volume. Fish meal plants peaked with over 150 facilities in the country. And at one point, 18% of all fish caught in the world came out of Peru. Times were good, and the market was booming, but that changed quickly by the time we hit the 1970s. In 1970, the FAO, or the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, warned that they believed that the annual harvest volume of the anchovy fishery needed to be set at 9.5 million tons. In that same year, however, the country reported harvests of roughly 12 million tons. Three years later, with another strong El Nino, the harvest volumes dropped to 1.3 million tons and the entire industry became unprofitable. Numbers continued to drop over the next decade, with a low of 22,000 metric tons harvested in 1984. In the decades since, the fishery has been slowly recovering, but still has had its challenges with El Ninos and unexpected drops. And that's where the scars come from. 
The sampling methods that governments are using today are similar to techniques of the past. We catch a small number of fish and use that to project the total biomass. That projection, however, can be wrong. The ocean is a complex ecosystem, and we're seeing only a tiny picture of what's actually going on. If the estimates of how many fish are out there are incorrect, it doesn't matter how conservative an exploitation ratio you pick, there's still going to be a chance that we catch more than what the fishery can hold. We've been wrong before, and these fishermen remember it. They don't want to see it happening yet. Now, what does this mean for the aquaculture industry at large, who are eagerly watching this particular fishery in anticipation for fish feed prices to change? In the short term, I'm not sure we're going to see that many drastic changes. Analysts like Gorian Nikolic at Rabobank believe that the harvest volumes of this last season and changes in weather forecasts for the coming year will begin to provide some relief to the global supply of fish oil, but that doesn't mean prices will change. We've also heard the perspectives from feed companies like Teresa Bergjord of Scredding, who has already publicly stated that she believes prices will not drop in the year to come. And what do I see? Well, when it comes to fish feed prices, it's an extremely complex picture. The anchovies are an important component, but the price is not determined by just this one factor. The war in Ukraine, global inflation, and supply chain challenges post-COVID are all contributing factors that impact that complex equation. On Peru specifically, I'm positively optimistic about the development of what the future holds for that particular fishery. It seems like from the lessons learned from the previous failures, there are multiple parties, from fishermen to policymakers to scientists, who are all working together towards the goal of a sustainable industry, even as the world and climate are continuing to change. I'm looking forward to hearing the news of what happens in the next few months as the Peruvian government makes the difficult decisions on what to do next. And that's all for today. I hope you've enjoyed this update on the situation happening with the world's largest fishery. Please make sure to follow us for continued content like this. And if you have feedback or topic ideas that you'd like for me to cover, please do reach out. We always love hearing from you. Have a great week and talk again soon.